0: So here we are at the final uh, moment of our Out of Neighbouring sermon series and I am really excited to share with you the Word of God this morning. This has been an incredible series that has not only took us across the Helderberg Basin to preach from various places with faith and conviction of what Jesus still has for us in this community. It's also been a time where we had our classrooms in the week. We had our two reading plans and I am so excited that the Lord has led us into this direction. I'm already hearing stories of people impacting their neighbors' lives by taking the small steps of obedience and reaching out. Um, As we conclude today, uh, we are going to be doing something different. As you know, we have shots from all over the Helderberg area. But today we're going to look at the Helderberg from a little bit of a different perspective and a little bit more about that in a moment. So my hope today is as we look at the Word of God is to offer a different perspective on the idea of generosity. The goal really is to discover God's perspective on how our generosity has the ability to deeply impact our community and change our neighbors' lives. And I'm going to title my message this morning, The Possibility of Generosity. Looking at the possibility if we, if we look into scripture of how God can use our lives through generosity and we can see our city and our neighbors lives changed. I want to tell you a story. Last year on the 18th of March I was on a flight which is uh, very abnormal these days. Uh, On the way back from George had a a couple of meetings there and it was one of those most beautiful sunset flights. I think it's probably the most beautiful flight I've ever done because you fly along the coastline and and I was a window seat and it was sunset and I just keep seeing the, the coastline and as we started approaching the airport, um, the, the aircraft took this beautiful turn over our basin, the Helderberg basin. And I looked out of the window and I took this picture. And I was completely mesmerized by the beauty that I was seeing in front of me, just in awe. just took the picture and put down my phone and I was just sitting there looking at it and, and how majestic it is and, and how big these mountains is and how it just falls into the ocean and then it hit me in a moment, looking at this, this view in front of me, just how very small we are and, and how very small this Haldeberg Basin is. And, and looking at that and in comparison to the mountains, it's almost as in from God's perspective, this place we call home might be like a grain of sand on the ocean bed. That's small to him. And when I saw it like this, it... It started changing some thoughts in my heart upside down because when we live here and when we do life here, we, we often see our community as something that is so big and impossible to reach and impossible to change. And we get, we get a little bit uncertain whether we can see this change. But from a higher perspective, I looked at it and I'm like, it's that small. And Can I have faith that the light and the hope and the love of Jesus through a handful of faithful men and women who follow him can actually change this small little place that we live in could it be possible that there's a community thriving in the love for Jesus that can turn this place upside down and as i was thinking these thoughts around where we live and really how small it is in the bigger scheme of things and how incredibly possible it is to see this place completely revived for Jesus As I was thinking that, as it is with us, immediately the thoughts came of the impossibility of it. The what ifs. The questions well, can it truly be? Is it possible that a faithful few, that a church, community, and and the churches of the Helderberg could do something so profound that one little place like this, one community like this, as small as it is, could be turned upside down? That we could actually get to a place where we live so much closer. may I say this, actually eradicate poverty in our own community? Is that even possible? And suddenly the mountain of doubt settles in and my view became something like this again. Where we are at the bottom and we look up to the mountains and the mountains of pain, the mountains of of suffering, the mountains of poverty, the mountains of despair, the mountains of brokenness, And it feels impossible to scale. It feels impossible to conquer. So these two perspectives I wanted to bring to you this morning to set our hearts on on where I believe the word is going to take us. It is interesting, and I've seen this, wherever the thought about the power of generosity and what generosity can do is shared, it is almost always and immediately countered by thoughts of doubt. It's almost like the, the natural human response When we talk about generosity and giving and being people who live free in this world because we freely received and therefore we freely give, there's a few moments of possible inspiration and seeing the truth in the Word, but our human nature is so inclined that we always come up with the doubts, the excuses. We hear about the generosity, but then the doubts settle in and we find ourselves looking up at the mountain. Sometimes our mountain is as small as Lord, I have so little to give. Does it even matter? Sometimes our mountain is, what will it help? It's just a drop in the ocean. Sometimes we get stuck with this idea of where do we give? And we get, get, get carried away by the philosophies around what is proper giving and where should it be. But when I look into the Father's heart and to His word, He just wants us to be a generous people. And He's given us the principles and the guidelines of how to do it. But we make mountains out of molehills. And he's saying, my church, if you can just raise your vantage point back to where I see it. And from my perspective, it is actually such a small thing to live in the possibility of what your generosity can do for your city and where you live. So I want to invite us into a different vantage point this morning. And the best way for me to do it, the only way for me to do it is to go to the Word of God. To say, okay, God, show us something. Give us an example of what it is to to look at the mountains and at our city, not as something unconquerable, but as something filled with possibility. And that we would become a generous people like never before to see this idea of the art of neighboring be, be done. Because we said, yes, Jesus, all of our life is yours and do with it as you please. In order to help us, we're going to go to... The beautiful story in the book of Acts. We're going to look at the narrative of the first church, and we're going to be in two chapters, a few verses, and in chapter four, and a few verses in chapter six. And as you get ready to to read with us, and the reading will be up on the screen as well. The context is simple: Jesus has just given his apostles and his disciples the mandate to preach the gospel, and he's gone, and the Holy Spirit has been poured out, and they have been empowered with power, and the church was planted. And here it is in its first beauty, in its initial design, just as Jesus imagined it to be. And it's flourishing, and it's growing, and it's full of life. And and we see fruitfulness, and we see so much happening. And here we are 2,000 years later, and we read about this very first church. And, And it's so sad that history and humanity has caused us to read it through so many lenses. So this morning I prayed that we would look at this first church as an example again, that we would see the pattern in it, that we would see the life inside of it and then say, God, this possibility of being a community who changed our neighborhood through generosity, Lord, let us see it afresh today. So let's read together. First section is Acts 4 verse 32 to 37 and then I'll be in Acts chapter 6 verse 1 to 7. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them, and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus, Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him, and he brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, let's go over to Acts chapter 6. Now, in these days, And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Lord Jesus, thank you for this example. Thank you for your word that is teaching us the patterns of how we can live in a way that really brings so much glory to your name. And Lord, I love that that last line and what we just read as many came to the faith. Lord, and it's my prayer as we go through Scripture this morning that we would have our faith rise up and we would see the perspective of what a small task it could be to live in the possibility of seeing our city changed through our generosity. So I pray, Holy Spirit, will you come and anoint the Word this morning? And may you be the preacher to all of our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Every time I read this, I am absolutely mesmerized by how these people lived. This willing community who had an unprecedented generosity, uh, changing their neighborhood, changing their city in in an unprecedented way, in a completely lavish way. They would take everything that was their own and their front doors were open and their lives were open and they said, if you need, come and get. If you are in need, it's available. And, And then some of them did... Magnanimous things like selling their land and selling possessions and taking the money and dropping it at the leader's feet and says, use it to see our community changed. It's mesmerizing. It's beautiful. And you know what? It worked. It changed people's lives. And I believe there's such possibility today. And as we go through scripture, we're going to look at four things. We're going to look, first of all, at great grace. And then we're going to look at great generosity. We're going to move on to great governance and we're going to end this morning talking about great growth. So first things first, let's talk about great grace. Right at the beginning of where I read uh, just now in Acts chapter 4, it says, Great grace was upon them all. And isn't that exactly what we as the church have? That we, the people of God, His church, is a set-apart people who get to dwell and live under great grace. Not just a measure of it, not just a little bit of it. A great, inexplainable, massive portion of grace is available to His church. And these people had a revelation of that. They recognized that grace over their ministry. They recognized that grace over what they did And I remember going back to the start of this year that we started out this year saying it is the year of amazing grace and what a prophetic message it was for us as a church because we needed amazing grace to get through this year to get to the other side and see God work powerfully and for us to grow in our Christ likeness. And this first church lived in this great grace understanding maybe because for so long for so long they've been waiting for the Messiah. For so long they've been waiting for the liberator who would come and set them free. Not of the systems of the world and, and all the things that they've gone through. But to set them free in their souls, in their hearts, and in their insides. And introduce to them the way back to the Father. So maybe because to them it was so fresh that this idea of grace was just lavished over them. And then I say to that Lord, remind me again of the gospel message of Jesus. We're at the cross. You have done it all. Forgive me for forgetting that even my life of generosity and doing the right things and the proper things and the fruitful things in your kingdom is because I am covered by great grace. This church lived in that place. And because of that, I'm sure they lived in a humility. They lived, as the Bible says, that God extends grace to the humble. And in that place of humility and letting God lead and and doing the things of God, I think this church did amazing things. You see, a great revelation of God's grace unlocks the possibility of generosity. Let me say that again. A great revelation of God's grace unlocks in us the possibility of generosity. We see this in Paul's writings to the church in Corinth. He speaks to them about generosity. And what he does is he speaks about the church in Macedonia, And and he says, I want to tell you brothers about this church in Macedonia who has shown incredible, great generosity, even amidst a time of heavy affliction, poverty and challenge. These people has risen with great generosity. And Paul speaks to the church in Corinth about them. And this is what he says to them. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Paul is speaking about this other church, just in the same way that I might be speaking about the first church, and he's saying, look at that example. Now, church in Corinth, and can I say this morning, every nation summers the west, as we excel in our faith, As we excel in our good works as we excel in our love for one another as we excel in being the church that god has called us to be let us also excel in this great grace of giving that's the invitation let us get to that place where we believe our generosity can change this little city that god has given us to take for him let us excel in grace and in the grace of giving which brings me To my second point, talking about great generosity, this church had great grace upon them, but then they lived in great generosity. Those two verses again. It says, "No one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common." That's a pretty radical idea, you know. The world tried to to create worldly systems like communism to say, you know what? When your leader says do it. You better do it. And and if your leader says sell your stuff and, and bring the money, then it's a good thing because it's for the sake of the community around you. And that's not what happened here. No one was forced to do any of this. Or the world creates this system called socialism where it's about the community just sharing everything in a good way and, and, and doing things in the right way. And, and these are all worldly systems with their flaws. But what we see introduced here is a kingdom idea. Is this idea that we can be so untied from the things of the world, that the things in this world, we know even though it might belong to us, it doesn't, it's by great grace that we have it, so we just live open lives and we tell anyone, what's mine is yours and you can come and, and use as you need. Maybe some of us in that gets led by God to the place where we actually say, you know what, there's some stuff I can sell because it's just sitting there and, and I've got so much. If I if I get rid of the much, I can maybe use that to, sh- to share with those who have little. So these are pretty radical things that these people did. We read also that that they were daily distributions. Imagine that, a place where we daily as a community give to those in need. It wasn't a once-a-month, it wasn't a every other time when there's a little bit of cash flow. These people were so great in their generosity that they could daily give to the tables of the widows and the orphans and those in need. Could it be possible that a handful of Jesus followers can start a little flame in our community that kindles a fire to see a whole community live like this again, where we see this power happening? You see, the father's children throughout history have been marked with great generosity. Throughout the story of the Bible, we see how God's people, because they have a revelation of who their father is, because they have a revelation of this great grace, they are generous. We see it in the, the, the life of the Israelites, of the founding fathers of our faith, Abraham and Moses and these, these people, and then throughout there were always opportunity to be generous. We see how Abraham gave his tenth to the Lord and. When there were opportunities to be hospitable, He did that in a big way. We see how the Lord asked of His people that when you find sojourners and and aliens passing by, take care of them, feed them, take care of their needs. And then into the New Testament story, this is just the way it is. And When we have a revelation of who our Father is and who He is in our life, then great generosity will be upon us. What I love about this story is those that had the means to gather much and they had some leftovers they saw that those leftovers were there because they had to share with those who only had the means to gather a little it's not that the the poor were robbing from the rich and and waiting that's no it's not that it's that the rich generously gave that which they had over and above their means to the poor and I remember The first time this picture just settled in my own heart of not just a handout, but the possibility of how generosity can change a community was when I had the privilege to go to Madagascar in 2013. This picture I took there, and this is my Instagram post from that day, and I'm actually going to read to you what I wrote there. I said, today was really hard to see such precious people so hungry. We got to serve them a great meal, and share some love. Life is more than a holiday, wine, and a good time. So you can imagine my my frame of mind in that moment. Being with these people and, and comparing the much that I gather back home and the things that I run after. And here we are, and it wasn't just a handout of food. It was a daily distribution of feeding people, who, because of the system that they're in, are completely marginalized and they live on the streets. These, look at those faces of these people, normal people, who were living on the streets because nothing that they've done, because of the terrible system that they're in, and they got fed daily, like the daily distribution of the first church. And you know what hit me? is It wasn't an asymmetrical handing down of something. It was the community taking care of its own was people from that community who started the initiative and said, we're going to do something to feed these hungry people. And all of those people that we met that day were believers in Jesus Christ and were saved by grace because in the giving of their generosity, the message of Christ was shared and the whole community was changed. And still till today, they feed those people every single day. The leader on the ground there, I asked him, how do you do this and how do you fund this? And his response honestly was, god i don't know but there's always food great generosity is possible we understand that we live in great grace and this brings me to my third point and a very important point in what we read in scripture this morning talking about great governance the role of leadership in generosity the role of leadership in leading this church of jesus christ under grace those two verses let's read them again the proceeds of what was sold and laid was laid at the apostles' feet. And in Acts 6, verse 2, the apostles said, This is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to, first, uh, to serve to the tables. This first church, as it ought to be held in very high esteem, healthy and biblical stewardship. And we see two principles in these two stories. The one principle is that the people actually entrusted their generosity to their leaders. To the world today, that is, it's a weird idea, and rightly so because there's been such an abuse and a mistreating of, of leadership where people were given and maybe manipulated into given, and those things were given or used for wrong purposes. But for these leaders in the first church, and and, and I can confidently say I believe with all my heart for us as a leadership team because I know the men that have helped us steward our money and how we look at it and are so astute in doing it to the honor of God and for no selfish gain. these people had a revelation that that which was entrusted to them as leaders sure had to be done in such a way that it brings glory to Jesus as the bride. And then it should be done in such a way that it forces the advancing of the kingdom. 1 Peter 5 says that as overseers to the church, as those leading the church, Nothing should be done out of shameful gain. And then we also read that Paul actually writes about this idea in Philippians 4 where he speaks to the church and he says, I don't seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. These first leaders in their governance, the gifts were great. And even in receiving the generosity and exercising generosity, it was not about getting that And using that, what it was about for them is seeing the disciples of Jesus grow in their understanding of God and the fruitfulness of Christ-likeness increasing in them. And therefore, good governance and great governance is important in this message. To have leaders who get entrusted, but they know that it's not about that which they receive to use. It's all about the ones who entrust that our seeking is after you and the way that you love Jesus. That we don't want your gift and don't have your heart. That we don't want your tithe and and don't have you committed to the growth that Jesus has for you. That we don't want people to give and and there's brokenness and we don't get to minister. That is always the goal. And in the second principle we see in Acts chapter 6 is that there was this balance between generous acts and the word and prayer. The healthy governance that these people had Keep these two in balance. They weren't at odds with one another. And sometimes in, in church, churches and, and, and even in the world, it, it's almost like these two are two th- opposites that they don't work together. But it's so clear in, in the life of Jesus as well that generous acts of giving and generosity and feeding and taking care of those in need it and ministry of the word and prayer are equally important the Apostles said you know what our role and function in in leading the church is to spend time in the word and pray because we need to make sure that we Preach this well and and minister as well, but we will not neglect the feeding and the daily distribution and a healthy church and in under good governance We will see these two things run in healthy balance great governance in the affairs of our master's house in his body, in his church, when we see that, we will see that his courts will be filled with the most beautiful pieces of art, which is human hearts. And that's the very essence, again, of the art of neighboring, is that our Father's house will be filled with the lives of people. And if we lead right in generosity by taking, but not for gain, to see you developed, And if we do this right by sticking it out with preaching the word and praying for you guys and leading you guys spiritually, but at the same time we are a deeply practical church in how we do things, it will get us to this last point, which is great growth. Let's read together. And the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly. This is the end result of the story we just read. This is the purpose of it all, that people meet Jesus and where the people are generous and leaders lead well, lives are changed. People meet Christ and they are saved. Could it be as simple as this? Could we maybe scale the thing that we see as an unscalable and unconquerable mountain just through these simple things? By living under grace, by being generous, by having healthy governance? Could it be that if we just do these three things that we will see great growth In this place that we call home. A generous, well-governed, grace-covered church will be fruitful in reaching its neighbors. We can be this fruitful. Generosity is filled with possibility if we understand this message that we have received that grace and therefore we are so generous and we can trust those to whom we entrust our funds and our treasure and it's done in a healthy way and then we will see our community changed. We will see fruitfulness. We will see it in things like grace giving. We will see it in things like our word and prayer ministry. We will see it in how you as the saints are being equipped for the work of ministry. This season was a season of equipping you and how you can share the good news with others. We will see disciples of Jesus making disciples and suddenly when we see this simple pattern we realize that this basin is actually quite small. From our vantage point, it feels sometimes impossible. But from God's, it might just be a grain of sand on the bottom of the ocean. And if we see His perspective and we do these things in a simple way, I believe we will see great growth and a mighty increase of people meeting Jesus, of our neighbors coming to Him. And that, again, I believe, is simply the art. Of neighboring Lord Jesus I pray for us this morning as a church I pray that we would see the possibilities that we would not look at the challenges and that we would not look at the the hillside and and the things that we've got to conquer Lord but I I'm reminded of Caleb who said Lord give me the hillside give me the mountains to conquer and even in his later age Lord when he was much older and and should be retiring Lord he said still give me the mountains to conquer for you, Lord. Let that spirit be upon us, a different spirit that says, Lord, we see the possibility in how our generosity, our giving, our open lives can change our neighborhoods. Thank you for the great grace that we received through the finished work of the cross. Through for, for what you've done, Lord, it's not by our own works, it's by faith that we receive such grace. Thank you that we will and can continue to be a generous community. Thank you that we can trust you Lord, that you have given leadership to your church to do things in a right manner and that there's accountability and and proper ways to do things, Lord. And thank you that we stand on the edge of the promise again this morning that we will see a multitude come to the salvation knowledge of Jesus Christ as we take this art of neighboring into the world and the people of God say, Amen.